Here's Clark again. Oh, and through again he goes. He's got Satuto with him. But it's Ioane, in fact. And Rico Ioane's going to score. What a brilliant play from Caleb Clark, and the Blues are in again. Then it back this near side for Vince Arso. Vince Arso gives it away to Umanga Jensen. And he's got it on the line. And that is a try. Pass. Oh, oh Yeah, one thing I want to look at is um, that Pacifica Super Rugby bid. So I know uh, Sir Brian Williams and a couple of the other guys, they put forward what I thought was a pretty solid bid to be part of uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa next season. And um, on the back of that Kalanoa bid, which we've spoken about in this podcast as well, that bid, this bid has also fallen through. And I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on you know, what do we make of that? What's the future of Pacifica rugby and what do we think went wrong? And just basically our general thoughts on that. So, Sally, mate, what did you make of this just failed bid for Super, uh, Pacifica and Super Rugby? For, uh, for me, I thought it was, um, it, it, it felt like it was, it's a bit, it was a bit rushed uh, um, in putting through a forward. It seemed, if anything, like, uh, just like how Argentina had to wait as well as Japan had to wait, um, what I mean by wait is like actually put something forward and then actually go ahead and uh, let it come into fruition. Whereas this is was just a thought that's pretty much escalated because of COVID, perfect timing because the the scale of the tournaments is shrunk, and then obviously everyone's looking for opportunity now to put a Pacific Island team forward. So um, not every bid, not not everyone has been successful on their bid come first time, especially within Super Rugby because, you know, you wanted to limit it, you wanted to limit the amount of teams per per nation uh, in, into the tournament, but now that obviously South Africa has gone um, on a full-time basis, um, I, I can see why a lot more people would have been disappointed that uh, no Pacific Island team has been um, allowed to enter into the competition, but in saying that, now they've got another whole year to prepare. Uh, so, I, I coming Coming to the next time that they uh, uh, obviously come in front of, of Sansa, I don't want them to have any sort of excuses because I can see what the excuses are from Sansa. At the end of the day, they want to generate enough revenue in order to uh, accommodate all the players and their salaries, as well as the coaching and all the um, and all the management, um, as well as um, accommodate all the, the the funds that will go to you know fund the whole competition. Um, there's not really much coming. Uh, there's not really much revenue that would be coming from the Pacific Islands team. I mean, even if they are based in NZ or whether they're based overseas, um, you you, um, you know, I, I don't I don't see their facilities being up to standard compared to um, some of the uh, compared to most of the Super Rugby. You know, um, there's you know there's counties, there's Northland, there's Southland, there's all these teams. Their facilities are probably not up to the Super Rugby's facilities. But they're far better than the, you know, to the teams that are based in the Pacific Islands. Um, that's something that you've got to take into consideration. You, I, I'm I'm not a believer in having a team that's representing the Pacific Islands based in South Auckland or based in Auckland. You know that that does that does no justice for the actual cause of the team. You know, like I want it to be based in, in Fiji because I feel like that's probably the more established country out of the Pacific nations and the more established in, in rugby at the moment. So, um, like I said, like, yeah, you can look at it um, as a glass half, half empty, but I look at it as an opportunity for us to use this whole year now to um, obviously put more funds into backing this um, campaign uh, moving forward as well as, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure from Sansa's in, they want to see not just a one-year plan, they want to see like a five, ten-year plan to ensure that this team is going to be successful and that there's going to be no emergency um, emergency call for funds, you know, to help keep the club a club afloat. Um, I think that's one thing that Sansa is probably, um, that's, you know, that's one thing that they um, want to see if, um, moving forward, especially with the, the next bid come next year. <clears throat> yeah, nice. Interesting thoughts there. Um, I agree with a lot of what you said there. So, uh, Roger, mate, what was your what's your take on it? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how long this um, bid was being uh, formulated before they proposed it to the, the governing bodies, but I just feel like, like Sally touched on the whole patient being patient and the waiting game, but I believe that the Pacific have been shunned because they in, they included the Japanese Super Rugby team before they even included a Super team from the Pacifica. Um, Brian Williams, so Brian Williams, who was a huge part of the the, the proposal and the bid for Moana Pacifica, he's been trying to um, advocate for Pacific, a Pacifica inclusion since 1995, um, since way back when he was involved, heavily involved with Manu Samoa as one of the coaches. Um, so, I mean, and seeing an article where it said how, how disappointed he was because the way that NZR came back at the at them and saying that the Pacifica proposal didn't front up, and but they believed that the way that they had gone through the processes <clears throat> that were, were advised to them to be able to put through a professional bid, they said that the bid that they put through was um, was a completed report from uh, a, an accounting firm, uh, Deloat, de 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 I think it was called. I'm not sure how to pronounce that name, but and they've seen a feasibility study that contained more than 100 pages of cost analysis, possible teams and coaching teams, all in that proposal, and yet that, that was the response that they got for the NZR was that the Pacifica bit didn't front up. Whatever has happened since um, prior to that with any other other proposals that have come from any uh, possible Pacifica team, whether it be from the islands or uh, a local based team here in New Zealand, um, I'm not too sure um, how long their proposals were put together before they put it forward, but it just seemed this was the best chance for them. Uh, whether on the back of the Kanaloa uh, sorry, but uh, didn't do them, them any, any uh, didn't do it any sort of justice in terms of that regard and just seeing another Pacifica bid uh, being rejected in the way that it was. But I think uh, I think we're due that Pacifica inclusion, um, regardless of whether it's based in the islands. But look, I, I agree with you, Sally, that the, the stadia in the Pacific is not up to scratch, but if anyone is the, the closest to it, it would be Fiji and Suva. Um, however, they were they were even proposing Mount Smart Stadium was going to be their base. I, I get that what you're saying in terms of um, it shouldn't be based here in New Zealand, but I, I, I believe it's it's the if it's a Pacifica team, yep, you want it to be in the in the one of the nations in in the Pacific, but I think. The second best option would be for it to be in the the most populated Polynesian city of the world, and that's in Auckland. And so, and there's a support base already, irrespective of whether they were to start next year or the year after in the Super Rugby Comp. The revenue would come in because they've got a support a fan base already, and whether that means the current um, teams lose a lot of their support base because now the Pacific team has taken over. Because we've got the most populated Pacific city in the world, uh, it's almost automatic that that'll be a second team or the, a team that they support on top of the the original super teams. But and I, 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 again, I don't know how the revenue works and and making sure everything's feasible. But to me, it sounded like they did have a professional proposal to to put forward. I feel disappointed that they've just been told that they didn't show up despite the hard work that those people in the background as well as the ones at the forefront of it all um, uh, would have put into it. So who knows what they need to be, uh, they need to do to, to make sure that they get that inclusion. Um, obviously not next year, but maybe the year after. But then there's talks now that Australia might, might include them in their Super Australia comp. So that will be to the detriment of <laughs> of uh, the NZR and if that goes ahead for next 2021 where this Moana Pacifica can then transition everything that they've tried to implement here into and be included with the Super Australia, what's that saying about the NZR not making it happen because if Australia can make it happen then it's just going to be a sort of a black mark on New Zealand rugby but again I can understand they don't want um, 
a team that's just thrown together to be the team that the cellar dweller will get the hidings. Where was that sort of thought process when they included the Sun Wolves? Because they were the team that were getting smashed every single time. Every time they included a new team for the the South African franchises, the Kings in the past, the, the Cheetahs, they had to start from the bottom and get smashed. But they obviously have generation of, I mean, they can generate money and revenue through the population base. Japan again. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it comes it comes back to um, just the restructuring of the Super Rugby competition. Now that there's, because uh, obviously before they couldn't put another team, um, only based on the fact that the, if they were going to put a Pacific Island team, it would fall under the Super Rugby NZ conference, and we were already stacked with five teams. It wasn't until the restructuring where we separated ourselves from the other the other branches uh, of South Africa and Australia that that we can possibly look to include more teams and that, mm. that that's what I uh, that's what I mean I I know um I know um Brian Williams and his team have been um, trying very hard but for me personally like you know I feel like we are all um, hardcore rugby fans. Yeah. If it wasn't for Super Rugby Outsider, I would have never heard of any of this bidding whatsoever. You know, I've never heard of them coming out publicly with with this outrage of like, why isn't there a Pacific Rugby team? You know, there's there's always been discussions, there's always been talks, but like mm. you know, like that the New Zealand Conference being full itself, that shouldn't have stopped them from at least getting their voice out there. Because then, you know, like they were easily able to. Um, move the conferences around to accommodate Sunwolves, to, co- uh, to accommodate um, the Haguaris. And that's something I mean, uh, that's, why, that's why I mean it feels like um, it's just one of those things like um, just because they are successful now, they're complaining, um, they're complaining more about the problems that we already know about. Like, you know, like how, um, how unfair and, and how uh, mm. it seems like it never seems to side with the Pacific Islanders, especially when it comes to uh, you know, we've had these issues with the eligibility, you know, we've had so many good players play a couple of tests for the other countries, especially the tier one countries, yeah. and now they don't have that um, opportunity but want to represent uh, their home countries, you know, we it's it starts from there, it stems from there. So, like, you know, there's there's all these battles that, that you you know, that they've got a, you know, all these loops that have all been, that they've got to learn how to jump through because, like I said earlier, it, it's it's the first time that I'm I'm hearing of all this background uh, work that they're trying to get the specific team, but that that's only based on you know since we've um since our super out here started and like in all honesty like I, I give more props to the Kanaloa guys you know they've just come out and like they're literally literally started this year and they're making noises they're making noise by getting the right people on you know no disrespect to Sarah Brian Williams but he's been out of the game for for you know 30 40 plus years and like you know uh, as much as I uh, I love what he did with Samo I, I don't I don't respect the job he's done with Samo because I feel like the same Samo back then is the same Samo we see now you know mm. like uh, what I want to see is someone that bangs and makes that much noise but you know, yeah, sweet. If shit doesn't work well with this team, I want you to go back to the Pacific Islands and bloody grow our salmon rugby because how bloody fucking mediocre, uh, me- mediocre and average has our team been in the last couple of years? You know, mm. um, I, 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 I get this this notion of trying to like incorporate more of our Pacific Islanders within the rugby system, especially abroad in our Tier One nations. But like, we've got to grow it at, at home. You know, Fiji is doing it. Why can't Samoa? Why can't Tonga? Why can't every other Pacific nation? There is, there is, um, a, there is a recipe for success, but, but no one's bloody asking the proper questions, and no one's holding the people accountable that need to be held accountable in order for us to grow. And we all know that Samoa too; those people are, and those, you know, the the likes of Brian Williams should be the ones to bring those people to light. You know, like for. If mm-hmm. anything, I feel like that's probably another reason why Sansa's a bit standoffish. They don't want to get, and they don't want to get into disputes with people of political um, stature in their in the in those countries, and then make it outside of rugby when you know make it a more political um, argument when it comes to the allocating of funds and stuff like that. 
rather than you know stuff that's to be strictly based on, on mm. players, okay, players and their rugby and their welfare as well as the revenue that they can generate for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think that yeah. just brings to light, you know, one own proverb that my dad used to always recite is Mufali sa Mufali sa. Yeah, and that's the thing is, it's the it's the power pool, eh? It's just, you know, yeah, one man. person wants to be involved, so it's like even if this was to get off the ground, then. Ooh, who's going to be interested in coming abroad and coming on top and trying to have some sort of piece of the action? But that, that's, what, they, that's uh, what I mean, Rog, man. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. As soon as as soon as something does go successful, uh, I bet you there's going to be more hands trying to get into the pot. And and I think Wasanza they need more than just a year of bidding. They need, you know, they need something that you've worked on a whole year, not just three months, not just six months. Yeah, they want to yeah. see twelve months of work that can ensure success across five to ten years time and that's yeah. something like you know there's something as us islanders know like we we can't even guarantee our own success with our own pacific nation and their rugby mm. teams across you know across a window of between two world cups you know from yeah. 2011 to 2015 i thought samov we were, we were going to take the next step man and then mm. look if anything we've regressed right back to where we were and like you know, that's just me speaking as a person. as I know you guys are as well. But um, you know, that's just like what Tonga. Tonga had um, a, a great team in 2003, and then they've just seemed like they've just regressed every year. But they, you know, they're on their way back up. Fiji, you know, they they were probably the one that were probably less developed in the 15s, more developed in the sevens. But they've used that same recipe within the sevens in terms of um, breeding their own players from the ground up. You know, they've created the mm. culture of, uh, of of working hard for your spots, working collectively. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just it's, it's just amazing to see the right people that have come from offshore to put, um, that have come from offshore to implement these systems, implement um, the, the rugby foundations, you know, even though they're not Fijian, but implement mm. them into the Fijian um, culture of rugby society. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's done really well for the 15s. And just there's all these great players. There's all these great players now that have gone overseas to to France as well as to um, England, um, and, and you know, and what they what they're bringing back to the what they're bringing back to Fiji rugby is just amazing as well. That's true. I mean, you're right. All those unions they struggle. The Fiji, the Tongas, the Samoa, and it's yeah. almost like if we we like you go, even have to go back to the you know, our British Lion equivalent uh, Pacific team, you know, hey, yeah. such a mess, such an awesome concept, yet we can't even be consistent and have that. No, we on, can't. You know? and, and, and just... to be honest, that, that, that's what everyone else is basing on, the um, the potential, you know. Imagine mm. if that team had like a couple of months to work together, you know, and mm. even though we got pumped, but that was just because they were making do with the best players we had, and that's the potential that everyone's like, Trying to fuel these um, uh, these these ideas or the bids that are going through for Pacific Island team, but you know, um, it, it, mm. as sad as it is to say, it's it's a white man's world out there when it comes to this this uh, um this kind of campaigning for, you know, you've you've almost got you know you've almost got to think of it from a financial and a capitalist side because it's got to benefit. It's not about how it benefits you. Let's be honest. It's about how mm. it benefits them and how it benefits everyone else. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's why that's why uh, that's what I mean. I hope you know that they don't take this as a um, as a massive slap in the face, or uh, you know, take it as offence. But rather take it as oh, you know, this is just a little setback for us, and then you know, we've got another twelve months to twelve to twenty four months to work on something better. Because mm. whatever you know, the indicator that they said they didn't front up, whatever that means, however we unpackage that, if they've been told, okay, this is a certain. So here's a uh, checklist that you need to go back and come back to us with within a year's time or by the end of next year in order to uh, uh, put in another proposal for 2022. Then hopefully they've got that. Everyone's on the same page. Make sure those are ticked off, and then you know Bob's your uncle. Hopefully, but until that, but then like you say, um, a Pacifica team brings in, in all the notions of how a Pacific community works, and it's a lot of yeah. people want to get a, a piece of the pie. 
And so hopefully they've got the, the right people in place, just like with the Kanalo one, get the right people in place and those bids will be successful. And I think it might be a, 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 a waiting game that uh, that's just been tested with. If you're really serious about these bids, you're going to be... Um, you're gonna persist, persist with it, and then hopefully yep. come 2022, it'll it'll be um, fruit of their labour. Malotoi, yeah, <laughs> welcome, Joey, brother. Welcome, one bro. Uh, talofa, talofa. Talofa. Joey, are you are you calling in from from the moon? <laughs> from the <laughs> moon. Joey, Joey, I'm Joey, I'm sure. Be- because of where I'm from, in the city of the future, I thought I'd take it even further and uh, oh. let you oh, no, guys know you're where the... You're in uh, One Tree Hill. That's the um... <laughs> <laughs> observatory there, isn't it? Uh... <laughs> I thought it was. Yes, I thought it'd be closed by now, uh, Tommy. Oh, I'm I'm part of the uh, security here. <laughs> Joey. I... Joey, only bad things happen at, um, at this time uh, upon uh, One Tree Hill. <laughs> That's what I'm here to protect everyone from. What do I, what, why, are you, why are you holding an axe? Was it a chainsaw? Oh, it's, got, it's already gone, Sully. It's already gone. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a wider matter jersey. Oh. <laughs> wow. 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 It's, it's for protection. It's for protection. Get protection out that way. <laughs> That's a nice phone, nice by the way. Stuff. You got there, um, um, young Roger. Kia ora, kia ora. What? Sorry, so you've got the, again, come again. You got the fade and the party at the back going on there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The barber, he keeps on leaving the back. I don't know what's going on. He's saying, I'm like twenty dollars, and he gives me the two sides, and that's it. The styles <laughs> of this man. I'm gonna start. Gonna have to start calling you Joe Royal soon. <laughs> no, 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 no. Joe Royal. Joe Royal's his own man. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right, boys, um, yeah, there's some really good thoughts, um, some good insight there, Sally, on the on the um, Fal mm. Pacifica bid. But um, yeah, maybe when they get their hierarchy of who they want to put in charge, maybe the Senza, whoever it is, powers that be, could put those people through anti-corruption tests to make sure that they're not going <laughs> to try and rip everyone off. But um, you know, I suppose when, when I was looking at it. And I'll get your thoughts on this as well, Joey. Is um, if it's not going to happen now, when is it ever going to happen? Because they've, they've, they're playing a tournament with only five teams. That only leaves two games a week. There's opportunities there to get additional teams in there. And the, the Pacifica team is a good team to get in there due to the proximity and everything. And then they can at least have three games a week, get a bit more broadcast money and all the rest of it. And, Rog, you brought up that, that Deloitte um, report. And they said yeah. that they were more fine. They were at least break even financially. And when you consider that the New Zealand Rugby Union, I think they get due to lose a hundred million dollars this year due to COVID and a whole lot of other stuff. So for them to then say to the Pacifica, but that you need to be financially viable from day mm-hmm. one, I just think that was completely unrealistic. And the Deloitte and, and it's yeah, unrealistic, to the financials but unfair. And the, Unrealistic and yeah. unfair because yeah. yeah but but I thought I thought that Deloitte report where they said that they could at least break even in year one. That's a good outcome. That is a good outcome. And they that report that hundred page report said that they were financially viable, which has always been the reason, or the supposed reason why they don't put the Pacifica teams in there as the finances. So I thought um, yeah, if it's not going to happen now, I suppose when. Um, is, is the due time, and that, that's sort of where I was left disappointed. But good points there. I agree with a lot of what you said, Sally, about the, about you know improving it for the betterment of all of Pacific rugby and for the future as well. We can't just keep yeah. you know languishing in the doldrums and being in the same mm-hmm. spot. Get this this bit underway, and still five years, ten years from now, we're in the exact same rut that we've been in for the past. You know, basically since professionalism started. But yeah, um, yeah, Joy, mate, we were just talking about the uh, the failed Pacifica bid, mate. What did you make of of anything in, in that that side of things with uh, your your good old friend uh, Super G Williams? Um, mate, I, it was quite an unfortunate result, wasn't it? I mean, oh, those poor buggers. But um, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by the outcome. I'm not surprised by anything that NZ Rugby came back with. They've been telling us the same rhetoric for the last 20 years and for us to be surprised now 
um, we shouldn't give them that kind of satisfaction. I think we do need to um, ask ourselves a few questions in terms of uh, the negotiation team. Um, I think my first initial questions are always who stood to lose the most and who stood to gain the most in, in these negotiations. The salesperson coming in here, the sales pitch. Oh, totally, mate. Totally. I was pissed at the outcome because it just spoke to me of people not doing their homework. And not necessarily their homework on um, on 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 the particular or the the typical outcome that came in the end, but more on the outcome on the um, homework on the people that were involved. Like, sure, the people that are involved were a part of the NZ Rugby organisation and legal teams and what have you. Whoever was involved, they should have done their homework on every single individual and then formulated a plan where they catered to every single individual's needs not just the organization's needs not just ticking the boxes that they needed to tick off by being financially viable and and you know having some cash reserves to to please the powers that be but every individual will come in there with their own agenda and what it sounded like or seems like is that whoever the negotiating team on on the Pacifica side of things went in there and painted a br painted them with the same brush instead of catering to every individual's needs. And that's just me looking from the outside and as a sales guy with my sales eyes, I was deeply disappointed because surely they would have learned from the outcome of Kanaloa with the MLR competition and how they didn't get in there and what the reasons were there. It seems like the same reasons happened here with this one. Financial. Or or that's what NZ Rugby are saying. They weren't financially ready and to, to throw them in and get get their asses kicked in the first competition was the biggest cop out. It yeah, might have been might have been might have been might have been somewhat accurate, but biggest cop out. It was a bloody cop out. It's just it was just yeah. there to to accommodate or supplement their answer, their answer which being, no, we don't want you guys in this competition because we feel threatened by you and your existence, and we don't actually want global a globalized game, even though we spout that out in every opportunity we get on TV or in the media. So that's my take. Sorry, that was a bit long. Yeah. No, no, it's interesting you talk about who has the most to lose because if they've run it out of Mount Smart then who I think has the most to lose would have been the Blues because a lot of us locals are uh, close enough to Mount Smart that we could jump the fence and start supporting another team. And if you consider that the Blues are the franchise of the most populous area of New Zealand, then they could potentially lose a lot of fans and that wouldn't be sit well with the powers that be in New Zealand Rugby Union. Um, and it's interesting, I read this article from uh, Gregor Paul where he talked about, you know, basically... The New Zealand Rugby Union is scared, like you mentioned, because if they get this thing off the ground, you know, the All Blacks have always had the pick of those sort of guys like Sivi Vatu and Vaifafita, guys who have come over with dual nationality, and they always end up picking the All Blacks. The All Blacks always get to pick who they want. But if the Pacifica bit gets off the ground, and then there's that second option, and it's a really viable option, they might find that they're losing more players, because 40% of all Super Rugby players in New Zealand identify as Pacifica, so there's a genuine threat there if they can get it to work and they can get their act together. So uh, I don't know, a lot going on behind the scenes. I, I, don't think, um, I don't think it would be a team that would be um, exclusive to Pacifica. I think it would be just, you know, whoever they would be able to pick if they were able to get anyone that's of um, European descent or even overseas, because I think a lot of their player base were going to be not only the the ones that are fringe players here or might have team cut players that were excluded from super contracts but then it was the international players that were playing abroad as well that they were looking to sort of bring in I mean that would have been on a, on a sort of a I'm just on a hunch here that's probably where they would get the, the majority of their professional players and then hopefully bring in some of the fringe players here in the New Zealand system but you're right I mean it would have encroached on the player pools that each of the franchises have here, the draft pool as well as the Blues 
majority pool. But you you think of it, if the Blues have already got who they want, the other Frenchers have got who, who they want as well. And then they pick from the draft. Um, I think Pasifika we're going to just Moana Pasifika we're going to choose predominantly from those that were remaining outside of those pools. But you're right because in terms of contractual agreements, they probably are encroaching on you know players that are eligible for super contracts in the Aotearoa franchise, so to speak. But yeah, but I, the fans, the fans, and everyone, the, the the ticket sales and all the rest of it, like I would have been still taken care of itself. Yeah. We'll go yeah. and support this team as opposed to supporting the Blues if they got on the ground. And that's taking money out of the Blues and New Zealand Rugby Union's pocket too. Yeah. Uh, well, no, with with um, what Joey said, I, I I think of it the other way in, in the sense like who, who's who got the most to uh, to gain and who's got the most to lose would both have to be uh, NZRU. Um, in the sense like, yeah, obviously they could... Um, gain more revenue, especially if it is a, a local-based team. Um, at the end of the day, all these, all this revenue, it funnels back towards the NZIU, even though it, is, it, it goes through the channels of, of the Pacific team first. But then at the same time, you're taking on this massive risk, which you're already in a liability to, uh, from this year's competition. And you're, if, you take a, if you take this bid and add this team in as of next year, that's six mouths you've got to feed when you could barely feed five. Mm. You know, and like um, I I don't I don't see it in that way of um, um, in a sense like yeah, it is it is an issue we've had we've 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 encountered for for numerous amount of years in terms of the NZIU um, being so called afraid of us um, uh, Pacific Islanders being able to uh, develop our game so that you know, but at the at the same sense as well, it's like uh, I feel like um I, I'm I'm looking on the other side of the spectrum in a sense, there's so many people that we know that deserve bloody super rugby contracts, but never get the opportunity because each franchise is full and then they have to look elsewhere uh, abroad. You know, I, I'm looking at it, man, if this team can help us keep more more quality players in NZ to be playing for this um, uh, super rugby team and that, you know, at the end, and it not only makes the competition better, but it gives us, it gives the Pacific Island teams uh, a better quality of of players that they can select for their team. And uh, for mm. me, I, I'm looking at it in a way to to to, to breed the game in, in, in a better sense. Um, I, I, um, most um, it feels like most of the, the international rugby calendar for South, Southern Hemisphere teams, which the Pacific Island teams fall under, it seems like it almost. Um, revolves around the, the big three, which is Australia, South Africa, and New Zealand. Um, if we can get a better, a better pool selection of players um, from from this team and from any other team that hopefully we can get into the competition, I reckon it will probably be better for our team moving forward. Um, but no, I, I definitely understand where you guys are coming from as well. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know uh, what for me I feel like that the the fear factor it's you got you got to look at it from the the players standpoint as well in the sense you know the All Blacks are giving you this better better life you know I'm giving I'm giving you all these sponsors I'm giving you uh, money to pay for footy I'm giving you you know um all these um all these accomplishments as well as these endorsements that come with putting on the black jersey um. What can what can the what can our home nations give them? And that, that that's where the real it's not it's it should never be, um it should, it, as much shit as the All Blacks and the NZRU cop for taking our players, we've got to look at it the other way from the player standpoint. Like you know, uh, as much as I am loyal and diehard Samoan, I'm not gonna tell a person to okay, go hey, go play for Samoa, represent your your family and your country. But then at the same time, you know, tell you to turn away that 100, 200 grand, you know, contract, you know, on a yearly basis uh, to provide and to look after your family and to ensure the, you know, ensure, ensure some sort of generational wealth for you and your family moving along down the line. So, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a tricky situation, that one, because and it all comes it all stems from the initial argument I was saying that we've got to fix stuff at home we've got to make sure that if a player does choose to switch allegiance 
make sure things are ready to help cater for, you know, make sure they're looked after as well. Yeah, I, I think in some ways that's sort of a chicken and the egg scenario. So if I look yeah. at Argentina, right, they were um, they didn't have any competition to play for. They sorted out yeah. stuff on the field. They had some really good performances in the World Cups. They made a couple of semi-finals and a quarter-final and all the rest of it, to the point where I at the IRB or the, new, the World Rugby or whoever they are, they had to find a spot for them, and that's how they came in with us and um, and they started the. Four Nations or whatever they called it. Then Japan, they did something very similar. They had very good performances in the World Cup where they made some playoffs. Um, they had a good World Cup previous. And then IRB stepped in again and said, hey, look, we've got to find a spot for these guys. So I feel like the Polynesian teams have to go that similar route. If they want to get a seat at the top table, they need to start by getting good performances on the field. And how do they yeah. get those good performances on the field? They need to have better pathways and better development systems. So that's where I think this Pacifica bid will help to funnel better quality players through to the national team and, you know, just expose them to higher levels of competition. And then when they improve that, then you improve the national side. And if if by some miracle Samoa was to make a couple of quarterfinals or something at the World Cup, the IRB will have to step up and say, hey, look, we've got to find a spot for them somewhere. And then that's when, when you get your foot in the door and get a seat at the top table, that's where you can get some more money. Both Japan and Argentina, and that they've made um, financially, they're a lot better off just through being part of these tier one competitions. So, yeah, that's what I mean about the chicken and egg scenario. If you can get the development systems flowing, then you can improve the player quality, get a seat at the top table through the IRB. And that's why one of the Pacifica bid I felt was a big part of that um, that drive forward. But this is turning into a whole podcast on its own. This this um, <laughs> thing, the, um, <laughs> this. Uh, because I know the boys are all passionate about our Polynesian rugby boys, but uh, yeah, have you guys got anything else you wanted to add there, Joey or, or Rog? Or no, you no, good points no, from no, no, no. Uh, Sully and Rog. No, good. Yeah, no, just, yeah, yeah, it can be a frustrating sort of conversation as well, but uh, valid points from everyone. But um, just sort of, just keep on thinking about how Argentina improved. Um, because of their inclusion in the rugby championship, yeah. but then that was on the back of having the Hagwares invo- involved as well. So, like you said, a lot of their players were playing abroad uh, because they didn't have a professional domestic competition. There was only a, an amateur competition back in Argentina. Mm. So once they had that, the Hagwares, their players didn't have to therefore go abroad, and then that just sort of the, the better they got. They ended up making a grand final. Um, that was their player base was strengthened because of it, and then, um, because they weren't just pulling players from all over the world to come into camp for international test season, and they were already playing together through the Hagawares. So, and, and I get oh, it's different with the Sunwolves because they didn't really add. I think a lot of the revolution in Japan was a lot to do with uh, how they strengthened their infrastructures domestically. Um, and the inclusion of Tony Brown and um, what's his name? Jamie Joey. Jamie Joseph, yeah. So they they, they enhanced um, that rugby and off the back of Eddie Eddie Jones from the, the mm. previous World Cup campaign. So, yeah, we were still hanging on to the, the darlings of the 91, 95, World, oh, 91 and 95, <laughs> making the quarterfinals for Munsa Moore. Um, Fiji are the only Pacific team to make a semi-final, um, and then we we've got Tonga that uh, that are sort of there and thereabouts as well. So yeah, inconsistently, I uh, will consistently con- inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting, Rod. Like you brought up, like that's when Samoa is probably their best ever performance at 91 World Cup, and next year will be the 30th anniversary. And I oh. booked us in for a podcast. Oh, you know, what's, what's gone wrong in 30 years? Because that should have been a turning point, and we'll probably bring up a lot of the stuff again. But I'm really happy with the passion that you guys have for, obviously, Polynesian and Samoan and just Pacific rugby in general. So that's really come through on this this last segment. But we've got to move on. And, uh, Roger, I'll get you to talk, talk about this um, Super Club Rugby Under-21 Championship, which started on the weekend. So I thought this could have been a good... Um, Stepping stone to if we got that Pacifica bit off the ground, but that's not obviously mm. going to happen. Um, so just for um, anyone who's not aware, the um, Super Club Rugby Under 21s Championship, um, yeah, they kicked off over the weekend. So there's four teams from Auckland. We've got the West Rangers, the Central Kings, East Tour Moana, and Southside Rising. 
and they're all competing for the Sir Michael Jones Cup, and it's sort of a cup to uh, push forward Pasifika Rugby, which would have mm. tied it nicely if we could have got that bit off the ground. That would have been yeah, a good development so, program for us, but um, yeah, go carry on, Rog. So, so again, the way that this has come about is obviously through COVID and the, um, the abrupt nature as to how club rugby was um, ended this year, or the stop-start nature of it all. Um, so Tony Lafatanoa, who's the who's it's it's his sort of brainchild from Waitakere Rugby Club, um, came up with the idea of putting together a regional competition where uh, a cluster of teams represent a certain part of Auckland. And so you've got your Central Kings, which is the central part, your East, Watamata, uh, West Rangers uh, from the west side, and then you've got South Side Rising, that includes um, a few of the South Auckland teams, Papatoi, Manukau, and East Tamakiki to name a few um, but so again like there's players that will come out of the under 21 season and get selected for inevitably Auckland um, academies Auckland under 21s and, and the Auckland B's and Auckland 18 those team those players that miss out on those selections therefore become eligible for this so it's almost like these players um, after your normal club season would not be playing in rugby they'll be just going on to your village competitions or not playing at all your regular tags or touches but this this competition has been put in place in order to celebrate those players that are here and thereabouts or probably miss out altogether normally and to see have another platform for where they can sort of prove their wear and and get some exposure and coming to the party again is, is Sky Sky Rugby, which is put it on their platform where they do get that decent exposure. Um, they've only had they've just kicked off last weekend or last Thursday. Next set of games will be this Thursday. Um, so it was good to see it on on Sky Sport. These young kids who wouldn't normally get any exposure on TV, if if they did, then it was would have been from the official team days if they were playing um, in the 1A competitions for your your local teams. So. So I think it's uh, yeah, timely with it's, it's based on the same premise as if uh, a super rugby side would be in terms of the Moana Pacifica bid, um, taking into consideration those players that are not required for other honours with the other super franchises. So it's a sort of a mini version of that, but just in Auckland. And who knows how it could grow. It's obviously getting the, the support from Sky um, in that regard, but, you know, it's a sort of a dangerous premise because then if these players are therefore good enough when they play in this competition, your Auckland's or your other academies could easily just pull them right. in. And, oh, yeah, you're, you're a club player that's played for East Tamaki or Monaco. Yeah, we want you now. And so it's almost like, yeah, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. But yeah, so I agree. If someone, steps up, someone really steps up in this tournament... Auckland will probably be the benefactors. Yeah, oh, how do we miss that talent? Oh, yeah, we'll bring him into the Auckland team now. So, Not that um, I'm complaining as an Auckland supporter, but... Um, no, no, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, boys, um, Sully um, or Joey, did you guys catch any of it? And, and what have you guys made of this new Super Club Rugby Under-21s tournament? You guys have uh, any thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so my thoughts would be, yeah, it's just a, a great way... Um, I think uh, Sky Sport as well as um, Auckland Rugby Union were pretty smart in, in trying to incorporate some rugby to fill up the time, um, mm. especially with tests now being on, on, on Sundays. Um, it's good to fill up the, the rugby calendar in terms of um, watching some footy, but um, I, I hope that it, it does um, reach out to, to the Prems level because then that would um, that, that, would, that would be uh, interesting in itself because there's a lot of players that don't necessarily make the uh, uh, Mighty 10 or the Auckland B squad um, but there's a massive group of talent there that are unfortunate to make it um, but they'll be pretty good if they did um, yeah, did do a senior tournament with the same teams because yeah, that would be something um, that I'll be keen to watch as well. Um, if, if anything, I think this is just um, relates back to the success that the Blues franchise have had this year um, in the sense that it, it's breeding like, no one would want to watch this if the Blues were doing shit, you know, who wants to watch Auckland rugby when Auckland's doing shit, you know, but because, because the Blues are, Blues did well, 
and then Harbour's doing well, Northland's doing well, Auckland's doing well. Like it, it just seems like right now Auckland's the, the the hot thing to to watch, and like if if anything, what anyone likes to see is the next superstar coming through. So this is another chance uh, for us to see future stars in the making. You know, there's so many good players that have made gone on to make high honors that never made your your you know your A or your B squad, but just managed to you know get that one crack and it just taken it all the way. So this is a real good opportunity for those young players. And um, unfortunately for us, we're about 10, 15 years born too early. <laughs> yeah. you know, we've got we've got no none of this access to all this um, self promotion through uh, through Sky Sport. But you know, it's, it's a great opportunity for these young kids to uh, to mm. definitely make make something out of uh, playing footy. Joey's still twenty five. Joey's still got a shot. Hey, open it up to the Prims. Oh, uh, Joey, Joey's got that. Uh, uh, Joey Levendary effect where he looks old but he's actually 21. <laughs> that's it, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> 20, you sure you're 21, mate? Yeah. I'm probably going to get his, his kidney disorder too soon. Joey, mate, did you make anything of that um, under-21s tournament that's just started up? Just like the also Sally said, mate, it's awesome development for those those uh, budding superstars, those uh, mm. like Southside Rising. What a name! And um, <laughs> I think they, they, I think they won their game. Because yeah, I think Southside, the first round Southside of games were won. done at um, it was done at Wider, wasn't it? Wider Matter Rugby Club. Yeah, I have yeah. a feeling they're all going to be at Wider Matter or Watamata. Watamata, yeah, yes, yes, yes. No, that's a good I think place. They're all going to be there. awesome. Yeah, because yeah, the number one field's really nice there, so we'll probably have, uh, is it back-to-back games? Yeah, back-to-back, so one at four o'clock, one at six o'clock each Thursday. So it's, oh, uh, last Thursday. week, oh, this week, yeah, Thursday awesome. nights, yeah. That's awesome, so, Thursday night footy, man, why not? Yeah, yeah, um, good. Mm. So a long mm. time ago, they used to have Friday night footy, which was club rugby, which was televised. Well, that was a long time ago, 80s, 90s. Yeah, yeah Waste Matar, that, that's a really, like you said, Sully, it's a Really good field. Um, night games were good there. They used to have those one-off games between clubs. They used to have one-off games between um, Auckland, Samoa, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. A, it's a good thing that they don't. Um, they never had the Thursday night games back then. You, you, you'd be trying to look for Roger, but he's probably getting dressed to get ready for Away. That's the only reason why I went there, man. Oh, come on, mate. Uh, yeah, sure, yeah, was, sure was. Sure was. Sure. Sure, mate. <laughs> More like those boys inside that you used to uh, dance oh, with. <laughs> <laughs> nah. This um, time I went there, man, I didn't realise they made you kick your boys. I was like, oh, kick your boys. No, no, we, we love Aiway, but um, yeah, just on that competition, uh, Roger, you brought up a good point. So they've got the first 15 rugby, and then they've got the premier rugby, obviously, but they don't have anything sort of in between. So it's good to put that on Sky, sort of bridge that oh. gap a little bit. And if you're sort of a late bloomer as well, it seems like if you're these modern guys are just coming straight out of school almost and straight into the professional game. But if you need a bit more time to develop physically or whatever, then this is a good way to get it some exposure. I like the names like you mentioned, Joey, and just one guy to keep an eye out for, MacGyver Luchan. I saw his name. What a name. Yeah, I, I, when I saw that name, I was going silly. I'll, get, I'll give him a shout out on the podcast. MacGyver Luchan. I saw MacGyver too. Okay, silly. Your dad must have loved MacGyver watching MacGyver. <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep, an, keep an eye out for that guy, man. He's going to be, he's going to make something of himself, MacGyver. Um, boys, uh, <laughs> yeah, but if we haven't got anything else on that, boys, we're just going to move on to, um, yeah, I think uh, closing up soon, but um, we've got our TOAB account, as um, you guys are aware, and we put our 10 bucks on every every podcast. Please. So we've still got one bet pending, we, we bet on Tasman at the start of the season, paying $4.50 to win the uh, ITM Cup, and that's looking, oh, Mighty, Mighty 10 Cup, sorry, I'll say now, uh, they're paying $4.50, that's looking pretty good, so I'm pretty happy with that, but uh, we we'll just go around and get uh, sort of a tip of the week for our TAB account. Um, Rog, brother, have you, have you got a tip for us? 
Um, whoever counties Monaco are playing this week, I think they're going to win. <laughs> Back to the heart picks for Rog. Heart picks, are mate. They... Counties Monaco, I'm not sure who they've got. I think they've got Waikato. Oh. Well, I had them last oh. week. I think they um, oh, okay. had them last week, but uh, this week I'm not sure who they're playing. Counties, they've got, let me just pull up the, the fixtures Pretty sure they've got Canterbury. <laughs> oh, hey, sorry, put their $10 Otago. on there, Stace. Otago, oh, they definitely. got Otago on uh, on Sunday. So you got counties to beat Otago away for your tip. What about you, Sully? Yeah. Have you got anything that you're looking at? Um, any rugby oh. picks or blacks on this weekend as well? Oh, man, Auckland's got Tasman. Tasman's on that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say um, for the weekend, I'll probably, um, for Sunday for All Blacks versus Australia, I'm going to say, um, oh man, All Blacks never lose at Eden Park. I'm say oh, All Blacks are 13 plus. Nice. I quite like that one, actually. All Blacks wow. 13 plus. Yeah. Roger, all right, we're gonna entertain your 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 county's Monaco. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I will see how we go. Four black student pass there, so that's a quite a good tip. I quite like that one. How about you, Joey? Have you got anything that you're looking at for a ten dollars? Um, ten dollars. Shit, that can go a long way, can't it? Uh, who's yep. Northland got? Northland. I think they might have a. Have they got a shield challenge? They got Hawks Bay. Yeah, shield challenge. Yeah, they've got the shield oh, challenge on Friday. Ah, yep. I'm going, did we cover that? The the change of hands two two weeks in a row. Oh, we didn't. No, we, we didn't. didn't. So you picking a third or? I'm oh, picking a third. It's going up north, far north. Ooh, oh, I quite like that one too, actually. When was the last time the Tanifa had the the shield? Oh, yeah, that's a very. Probably Sid Jones. <laughs> have they ever had? So yeah, yeah. Well, when 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 I was on in black and white, that's when they were. <laughs> they were probably broadcasting it on radio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. I'll say that it's been a while. It's been a I quite like that tip too. I quite like that tip as well. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the tip that I was looking at, um, Sally, you you sort of touched on a little bit. Top of the table clash: Auckland playing Tasman. That's first versus the second at Eden Park on Saturday. No, at Eden Park. Auckland. Oh my goodness! What I'm picking Auckland on that one. Oh. So which 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 ones do we like out of those ones? Should we do a multi or multi? I reckon. Multi. Yeah, we'll do a multi. If it comes through, then we can all retire because I think uh, there's some good odds yeah, on this one. Yeah, that actually is because Northland to beat Harbour. Ooh, I mean to beat um, Hawks Bay at home. What the shield? That alone in itself would get good returns. Yep, multi's on, boys. So thanks for those tips. I quite like them all, actually. Roger, Roger's one's the hard one. I'm not 100% sure on, but I think, yeah, we could be on the money here. Boys, uh, uh, yeah, I thanks for the change, I reckon you should change your All Blacks um, Wallabies one to under 12 for the Wallabies. Ooh. Oh, come on, mate. We oh, just talk about when they won since 1986. Yeah, 1986 was the last time. If it was at any anywhere else, any other stadium, then I would I would book that in. That's just because it's Eden Park. Yeah, man. It's yeah, be Tanifa, last time Tanifa won, Joey. Uh, the last time Tanifa won is um, 1978. Whoa! Painfully sure. Woo! That's coming. That's a good stat there, Rog. Right, boys, so we're just about to wrap up. Um, thanks for the tips, boys. Um, we'll just get some closing thoughts and, and wrapping up here, boys. So, uh, Roger, mate, I'll, I'll start with you, mate. What have you, any closing thoughts just on the rugby? Anything, really, in general? Oh, there's been a lot of rugby to cover. Um, looking forward to the Eden Park test. Um, Caleb Clark to get a start, hopefully. Um, but um, looking forward to counties winning and Tanifa, Tanifa upsetting. Get the Ramfley Shield since 1978. <laughs> nice. It can be done. It can be done. It can be done. How about you, Sally? Have you got some final thoughts? Um, no, just um, yeah, good to be back on and I've been on for being missy for a while, but uh, 
this is my official first meeting of uh, Roger, and it's been a it's been a pleasure to share the screen with you today, <laughs> as well as uh, as well as uh, Joey all the way from the moon, Joey Armstrong. But um, now Stacey, man, it's always good to hear and see you still holding it down for us as well. So, um, final thoughts are up, up, go go Auckland, go Northland, go Harbour, and uh, go the mighty All Blacks. Nice, nice, I like that, Joey. Funny you say Joey Armstrong. I'm actually on a bike right now at the gym. <laughs> oh. Were you the guy that was inside the inside the aircraft when you landed on the moon? You didn't get to step out because Buzz Aldrin and uh, Armstrong and got to step out, Michael. but you were Michael Collins inside. <laughs> Michael Collins is that a fictional name or? That's his name. The guy that the, the third person that was on the moon that never made doesn't is not remembered is Michael Collins. He was steering the, the ship. Back to yeah. that, Cam. Back to that. Michael Collins. Yeah, it was, that's the same Michael Collins that used to play fullback for the Blues, but went down to the Highlanders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went down to the Highlanders because he, he knew he wasn't ever going to step foot on the field as well. Right? Stepping foot on the moon for the Blues. So then I'm thinking, is it Michael Collins or Michael Smith? <laughs> oh, come on, mate. mate. Not the fact check. <laughs> so, did you, what, were you, what were you saying? Any final words for you? Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, so, I'm going to make predictions for mine, and I'm, all those three will come to fruition. All those three that we said for the $10 bet. There was four. Which one's not going to come nice. true? I'm going to cut that one. So, the, sorry, my prediction for the All Blacks game is going to be All Blacks by under 12, 12 and under. Ooh. Um Far to bring the the shield, the log of wood back up north after yeah. I like after forty two years. After forty two years. Or however long. Uh Tasman to oh, as much as it pains me to say Tasman will win at Eden Park. Oy. Oh come on mate. You are killing the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone downhill. That's my prediction. No, when I make these kind of predictions, I'm usually wrong. So I'm hoping oh, okay. I'm wrong this time. Oh, oh. I'm hoping I'm wrong psychology. this time. <laughs> yes, yes. Nice, nice. Uh, what was that last one? Counties to beat um, Otago in Otago. Oh, mate. Absolutely. I've, I've, got, I've got a soft spot for the Steelers, the Counties boys. And I'm backing them to beat Otago, who years ago yes. were uh, on the verge of getting... Ousted from the comp. <laughs> nice. Nice work there, boys. Um, I just wanted to say a few things as well. So it's great to see Test Match Rugby back in New Zealand after how many days it was. I can't remember what they said. I think it was 400, 400 days or something. 400 days. Yeah, 400 days. So it's great to see the Test Match Rugby back on. Um, I was actually looking forward to going to the Bledisloe Cup game this weekend. But when I was looking at the tickets, I oh. nearly fell out of my chair. Because, yeah, it's ridiculous. The cheapest ones were $80, and those ones are already sold. And those, we've all been to Eden Park. We know which shitty seats those are going to be. And um, there was 140 plus to nearly 200 just for some average seats. Um, now, Wellington, that test match just played, that wasn't sold out. And this game at Eden Park still isn't sold out yet. And I think the overpriced tickets are a big reason why. So I'm looking at the New Zealand Rugby Union, and they should pull finger and revisit some of the ticketing prices because I think it's oh I think it's a rip off. Yeah, if I'm being honest, are, that's are I these think. the only two international tests that we have in NZ? I yes yes yeah that's probably maybe that's why they yeah maximise as much as they can. Yeah, trying to score to the bloody public like that. The bucks trying to make up for their uh, their blues dead rubber that they were going to have. Ah yes. Yes, good point. Oh, but, um, here yeah. Go. Here we go. Yeah. On a positive note, um, one thing I will say, I want to say this right. So I mentioned our social media pages earlier, and anyone who's been following us will know that we've been doing a poll um, to come up with the greatest ever All Black 15. Now, there were some really tough calls coming in there, and, I, and we talked about that a lot in our chat. But I um, just want to say thanks to. Um, all the listeners and everyone who voted out there. And we will reveal the greatest ever All Black team shortly, maybe in the next week or so, as voted by you, the listeners. So 
Um, thanks for voting and thanks for listening. And we'll break it down in one of our upcoming episodes, so keep an eye out for that. But uh, just wanted to thank um, all you guys for jumping on today. Um, Sally, Rog, Joey, um, thanks for jumping on the, the counter rack. And you can follow us on our usual uh, podcast platform. So uh, check us out there. Um, and also YouTube. We'll be on YouTube as well. So keep uh, watching or listening. And we'll be back again next week. Cheers, boys. Cheers, mate. Have a good night. Cheers, Cheers, brothers. Cheers, brothers. Nice. Oh, he's still writing, <laughs> still writing to Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs>